denying women bodily autonomy, denying them abortion rights, reinforces inequalities that lead to all kinds of other economic and social marginalization. Women who cannot get an abortion are more likely to experience health risks and complications from pregnancy and delivery to have to change their life, career plans, education plans, whatever it is, and most of them then have to face economic hardship. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. And I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. Join us. As you know, Julie, in June 2022, the Supreme Court overturned the constitutional right to abortion in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Yeah, that was a shockingly bad day. I definitely remember it. As a result, Regulating abortion is now up to individual states, and only one year from that decision, things are way worse than we even feared. Yeah, one of many shockingly bad days. Yeah. As of June 2023, 24 states are expected to ban abortion or heavily restrict access. In 13 states, abortion was banned or unavailable with very limited exceptions, like for maternal health. There are also a lot of mandatory conditions in these states, like the need for parental consent, waiting periods, and mandatory counseling. 17 states and the District of Columbia have laws to protect the right to abortion. PA is one of those. Well, thank goodness for that. Meanwhile, there are millions of women and girls of reproductive age about ages 12 to 51, who are living in states where abortion access is heavily restricted or totally inaccessible. 15 states even ban or restrict access to medication abortion. This is all really bad. The fact is abortion saves lives. It is a necessary health procedure. Over the past year, we've seen women and girls in need of reproductive health care who instead have been refused care, and violence and criminalization has increased against them. Thousands of women and girls are forced to be pregnant against their will, which can result in physical as well as psychological problems, including death in some cases. That's true, Cindy. This is an attack on gender equality that threatens women's lives and health. Dobbs is devastating for all people who can become pregnant, but has the worst impact on marginalized groups who already face discrimination in the healthcare system. This includes indigenous and black women, women of color, people of diverse gender identities and sexual orientations, migrants, people with disabilities, people who are low income or living in poverty, also children and rural residents. That's a lot of people. That's a ton of people. Yeah. These groups often already have poorer health outcomes and Dobbs will and has been making it much worse. 
Marginalized populations are bearing the worst end of all of this. Dozens of clinics have closed across the country since the Dobbs decision, which increases travel time and distance for women who need care, making it much more difficult and barring access completely for women and girls who do not have the means to travel. People in marginalized groups are more likely to fall below the poverty line than white women. So having to travel to another state for needed health care can be a huge barrier. Right, Cindy? It can prevent the possibility altogether. Not only do they have to take time off of work, but they may need child care as well as money for travel and accommodations. For people who are undocumented or unauthorized, travel out of state is not even an option at all. The travel, and therefore access to reproductive health care, is often beyond their means. They may then be forced to bear a child they didn't plan for and for whom they have few resources to provide. A study done before this decision came down predicted that the average travel distance to an abortion clinic would increase from almost 40 to over 100 miles if the Supreme Court overturned Roe and restrictive state legislation was passed. Very sadly, this prediction panned out. It's just so unacceptable on so many levels. The abortion bans have also resulted in less access to other forms of reproductive health care that are really important too, like contraception, pre- and postnatal care, and preventative annual exams. When state bans force clinic closures, Many women also have to travel farther for basic reproductive health care other than abortion, for which they were used to depending on the now closed clinic. Some women have had to travel across state lines in emergencies for life-saving abortions rather than going to the nearest clinic, which in many cases has closed down. In some cases, communities have less care because their obstetricians are moving to states where abortion is still legal. Okay, so travel is just one aspect. There's now loads of documentation describing the difficulties pregnant people are experiencing trying to get an abortion for all kinds of reasons. Even getting non-reproductive health care is affected by Dobbs. Critical treatments like chemotherapy and radiation can harm a fetus, especially early in pregnancy. So cancer treatment might be delayed until later or until they give birth, even against their will. Wow. And women of color, especially black women, suffer more miscarriages. Many end up going through very traumatic times in cases of incomplete miscarriages in which they need the rest of the fetal tissue removed. They struggle to get that basic care. Right, Julie. Women have been left to bleed at home for days because providers were worried that removing the tissue would violate a state ban. That's horrendous. The body can get rid of the tissue naturally and safely, but the patient bleeds heavily and for a long time and risks infection in the best cases. And much worse in the worst cases. Delaying miscarriage care, which is common in anti-abortion states, that poses serious health risks like hemorrhaging, sepsis, and potential future infertility, as well as even death. It can also cause serious psychological suffering and trauma for women and families. In a lot of miscarriage cases, the baby was planned for, so the patient and family are already grieving 
and now they can't get the care they need. And another horrifying issue has been patients being denied care in case of ectopic pregnancies, which is the leading cause of maternal mortality death in the first trimester in the first 12 weeks. Again, with that, doctors are afraid to end the pregnancy because the presence of a fetal heartbeat might mean the treatment is against restrictions. Yet, there's no possibility for an ectopic pregnancy to survive. So delaying treatment only puts the pregnant person more at risk. Right. Speaking of which, many of the states with abortion bans have exceptions for the life or health of the pregnant person, but some doctors and hospitals have been delaying care until the health of the pregnant person deteriorates to a level that they're totally sure would fit within the risk to life of the mother exception. There's a lot of uncertainty about whether and when medically necessary and even life-saving abortions are legal. So rather than risk being criminally prosecuted for performing an illegal abortion, they wait until the health deteriorates. It would be so hard to be a doctor now. Obviously, this is not proper medical care performed by trained and experienced medical professionals. They're being handcuffed by crazy new threats to their practices, livelihoods, and even their own safety. They fear prosecution for trying to do their jobs properly. Absolutely. And as psychologists, we have to mention that medical exceptions to abortion bans in the United States don't include psychological risks to life or health, which can be significant. This prevents doctors from providing abortion care, even if they have good reason to believe their patient will attempt suicide if forced to continue their pregnancy. Mental health is not mentioned as an emergency medical condition that might require abortion. But suicide risk is especially pronounced in some teenage patients who develop post-traumatic stress disorder, for example, from rape or something, or are so worried about the consequences of their pregnancy that they start making plans to commit suicide if they can't get an abortion. Pregnant people who attempt suicide can also be charged with attempted feticide, which is destroying a fetus, or even manslaughter or murder in some states. In all of these cases, medical help is desperately needed, not criminal prosecution. Another issue for adolescents is that they're more likely to experience serious pregnancy-related complications than adults. Their bodies might not be ready. They could have trauma to organs, so they're often more at risk when providers delay care. And of course, none of the state abortion bans have an exception for adolescents. Speaking of younger people, even before Roe versus Wade was reversed, Young people under 18 in at least 36 states faced parental involvement requirements, forcing them to notify or seek permission from a parent for abortion. While most young people who have abortions voluntarily involve at least one parent in their decision, forced parental involvement laws can put the person at risk. Migrant children may have no parents they can ask, and other young people who don't have a supportive parent to involve in their abortion decision, and those who fear physical or emotional abuse, family alienation, or other consequences, might have the option to go through a process to request permission from a judge so that they don't have to have parental consent. But as you might imagine, the process is not easy for many young people. 
It wouldn't be, no. And plus, Human Rights Watch reported that judges in Florida, for example, denied more than one in eight young people's petitions for abortion between 2020 and 2021. So these teens, they get up the guts or the resources or whatever, and then they're denied in court. And then these children and adolescents are forced to continue with their unwanted pregnancies, travel outside the state if they can afford it, or figure out some other most likely dangerous way to try to get an abortion. Not too surprisingly, states with the strictest bans have some of the worst health care and historically of course, dedicate few resources to low-income people. It's just so hypocritical that they pretend to be so worried about the fetus, but they don't care at all about the person who's pregnant. Agreed. Another issue that's critical is that rates of sexual violence against people in marginalized communities are higher than for the rest of the population. Right. And since a lot of state laws prevent pregnant people from getting an abortion, even in situations of rape or incest, incest where a family member has impregnated them. It's just horrible to think about. Of course, there's increased risk of being forced to continue a pregnancy that resulted from sexual violence. It's just so terrible, sexual violence, and they have to have the baby. Imagine. Very terrible. Even where a state has a legal exception for rape, they usually require an official police report before an abortion can be provided. For a lot of people, this assures that they can't get an abortion because they won't or can't report the sexual violence as such. It's too dangerous or shameful for them. Right. Imagine if it's a family member or an important person in the community and they don't want to report that. So women from marginalized groups are more likely to experience domestic violence and less likely to have access to an abortion if it's banned in their state. Digital surveillance has expanded in some places to detect violations, and this leads to a lot of marginalized people choosing to avoid prenatal care to avoid surveillance. A lot of them already face higher rates of privacy intrusions and surveillance because of receiving government benefits, higher law enforcement surveillance, and from employers monitoring workplace conduct and performance. So much of this was totally predictable And we even had research from other countries with evidence that abortion prohibitions are dangerous. In some states, doctors don't feel they can counsel patients fully on all information they need to make a good decision, to know their options. Their own legal standing can be in jeopardy if they're seen as aiding an abortion in any way. 44% of OBGYNs practicing in states with huge abortion limits or bans say they don't have the autonomy anymore to help their patients properly since Dobbs. Most of them, 68%, can't manage pregnancy-related emergencies the way they know they should. We're talking about emergencies. 64% of OBGYNs believe pregnancy-related mortality has risen. Even more believe that Dobbs has increased ethnic and racial inequalities when it comes to maternal health care. Not surprising. Following the horrendous Dobbs decision, over a dozen states now criminalize healthcare providers who perform abortions. Penalties include up to life in prison and fines as much as $100,000. Some states impose criminal liability for aiding or abetting abortion, making it a crime to help in any way. 
including transporting somebody to a state that allows abortion. It's really crazy stuff out there. Denying women bodily autonomy, denying them abortion rights, reinforces inequalities that lead to all kinds of other economic and social marginalization. Women who cannot get an abortion are more likely to experience health risks and complications from pregnancy and delivery to have to change their life, career plans, education plans, whatever it is, and most of them then have to face economic hardship. As it is, Indigenous and Black Americans consistently experience worse health care outcomes and have had a hard time accessing abortion all along, not just since last year. Access to abortion and quality health care has never been equitable for marginalized people, and Dobbs has made this much, much worse. With the Dobbs decision, the U.S. has really gone backwards in protecting women and human rights. We recently found out about a new organization called We the Women, co-founded by Marsha Wallace, who is also a co-founder of the organization we've talked about a couple times on our podcast called Together Women Rise, which used to be called Dining for Women. Maybe we'll tell you about that again sometime. But meanwhile, We the Women is a new organization using the power of collective giving to fund organizations that help women find and fund abortion and support progressive state-level candidates across the country to get our bodily rights back. Check out We the Women Project. And always remember to vote. It's important. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Till next time. Take care.